We've all thought about it. And if you're like me, you even had dreams about it. And I suspect, at least when we were kids, we even tried it. I'm talking, of course, about being a superhero. How many of you ever wanted to be a superhero? You don't have to be embarrassed to raise your hands. That's not an unnatural thing. Don't you wish you could fly? My two recurring dreams are that I could dunk. That's never happened. And that I could fly. Those are the two most recurring dreams I have had. Don't you wish that you could just stick out your hand and here comes that hammer and it would just grab a hold of you and you could smash it on the ground and just utter destruction everywhere or shoot lasers or fire out of your eyes or out of your hands. What if we really could beat the bad guy and save the world? But then we grow up. Or at least this world grows us up. We find that we can't really fly, at least physically. Most of us don't have superhuman strength. Moreover, a certain worldview takes a hold of us. We learn to use our brain more than our brawn. And we're told that what really matters anyway are the things that are right in front of us. The stuff we can see and taste and touch and smell. And at some point, frankly, it's time to get a job, right? One that can often look and feel a lot more like Clark Kent, that mild-mannered reporter who works for the Daily Bugle, than it does the Superman who is faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, and able to leap tall buildings on a single bound. At least that's the version I grew up with. Any, anybody still there with me? Only there's just one thing. There's just one thing. That desire to be a superhero, it never really goes away. It never really goes away. We don't really give up wanting to beat the bad guy, and we don't really let go of wanting to save the world, do we? So here we are. We've arrived at our last sermon in this series. We've been talking about what it means to live a resurrected life. We've studied the facts at Easter that produce faith in Jesus Christ. We've seen how his resurrection makes him the God to believe in. We've observed how this belief in him joins us to a new and eternal community in baptism. We're going to celebrate that this morning. We've seen how these things working together inspire us to preach the gospel to this world that is in need of conversion. So that we are indeed running a race in view of the coming kingdom of God, which brings us to our final topic in this series that we Christians very much have a mission to accomplish. After all, this is what Pentecost is all about. Receiving the person and the power of the Holy Spirit with gifts and charisms for the mission and ministry of the church that we might in fact share in beating the bad guy and in the saving of the world. 
And if you think about it for just a minute, it all makes sense. Where does this desire to beat the bad guy come from anyway? Who does put in our hearts the hope that we can participate in saving the world? In fact, these desires come from God Almighty himself. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ walked the earth. He spoke and taught with an authority that no one had ever heard before. He performed signs and wonders that no one had ever seen before, walking on the water, on the very Sea of Galilee that some of you have seen and others of you will soon see. He raised the dead and he healed the sick. And by his crucifixion and glorious resurrection, he defeated the stronghold of sin and he destroyed the power of death in this world. And through his ascension into heaven, which we just celebrated, he was, as we declare in the creed, seated at the right hand of the Father so that he might begin his cosmic rule and reign. And you know the story. As he did those things, he essentially looked at and looked to his followers and he said, now it's your turn. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that we've commanded you. As we just read in the gospel this morning, he also declared, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the things that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I go to be with the Father." In the book of Acts, you will be clothed with power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. And my friends, you know the story. When the Holy Spirit descended upon them at Pentecost, the very same men who denied Jesus at his trial, the very same men who abandoned Jesus at his crucifixion, they now stood before his prosecutors and his executioners and they preached the gospel. They declared that Jesus is Lord. They said there is no other name under heaven and earth by which we may be saved. And from the words of St. Paul, everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Need we talk about Paul and his small band of missionaries who traveled thousands and thousands of miles to preach the gospel and plant the churches? Does that sound familiar? That's what we're doing here at Christ the Redeemer. They endured beatings, imprisonment, shipwrecks, hunger, thirst, and other things because they wanted to beat the bad guy and participate in the salvation of the world. That's what it means to be called a Christian. Christian, by definition, means to be a little Christ, that we who follow him are made to be like him by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit which we experience at baptism and the strengthening of the same which we receive at confirmation. Therefore, let us listen again to these words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 and not just listen to them with our intellectual ears, but hear them in our spiritual hearts. Paul declares to each, to each, 
is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That means you and you and you and you to each. That means every baptized Christian throughout time and space. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these, he says, are empowered by one and the same Spirit. You've heard me say this before. There's that beautiful scene in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where they're they're in Narnia, right? And it's always winter, but it's never Christmas. And along comes who? St. Nicholas. And St. Nicholas arrives with these gifts, and, and he bestows upon the children these gifts. They don't know what they are or what they're supposed to do with them. But he's preparing them for the battle that Aslan is calling and therefore equipping them to fight. That's an image of what Pentecost looks like in the church. Need I remind us of our own story here at Christ the Redeemer, how 11 short years ago, many of us got out of the boat. We left other places to do this new work that God has given to us. Our very first public worship service was intentionally on the Feast of Pentecost. And I could go on with story after story of the good work that God and we have done cooperating together. Mass in the grass, baptisms in swimming pools on July in the rain, missions to Malawi, and ministry happening right here in these walls. And just think about what we're doing here today, this morning, in just a couple of minutes Not just celebrating our 11th Pentecost together, but as we celebrate, we are baptizing a whole new crop of children. You can see them right in front of you who are making decisions for themselves to follow Jesus Christ as Lord. Here I am, Lord. Fill me. Use me. Send me out into the world to do the work that you've given me to do. So I invite us all to think with me once again about that city on the hill that God has put in our hearts. That place where worship is powerful and vibrant, where discipleship is fervent and intentional, and where mission is passionate and zealous. Where and how do we start building? We start right here. And we start right now because it begins right here in our hearts. These are the words that Jesus Christ said. Where is the kingdom of heaven to be found? It's to be found right here in our hearts. For what we display in here is what will shine forth out there. It's what will be the city on the hill whose light goes out. It's you. It's you. It's you. From Brian Walsh, a professor at Wycliffe College in Toronto, build houses in a culture of homelessness. Plant gardens in polluted and 
contaminated soil. Get married in a culture of sexual consumerism. Make commitments in a world where we always want to keep our options open. Multiply in a world of debt. Have children at the end of history. And seek God's shalom peace in a violent world of geopolitical conflict and economic disparity. And from my heart to yours, attend the ACNA meeting on June 17th through the 19th and see what our province is all about. Come with me to New Wineskins this September and see what Anglicans on Mission looks like. Make the pilgrimage with me next January to see where it all got started. Find the time, invest the money, make the sacrifice, and let these things be our priority for us and for our future here at CTR. My friends, there is indeed a reason God has put these things on our hearts. That desire to beat the bad guy and that pulsating urge we have to save the world, it's not so that we can pretend to have superhuman powers, but it's so that we can receive power from on high and participate in God's supernatural plan. That with Christ as our captain, we might indeed beat down the world, the flesh, and the devil with the gifts and charisms that he's given to us for the mission and ministry of the church in this world. So what do we say? Happy birthday, church. Happy birthday, Christ the Redeemer Anglican Church. This is, after our our 11th celebration. And what a great celebration this is. Preaching the gospel, baptizing, taking Holy Communion, and that long-awaited softball game. (laughs) Okay, that's too much. And if I may end on a personal note, I have never been more excited to be the planting priest of Christ the Redeemer Anglican Church. If it's even possible, may our next 10 years together and beyond be better than the first because this is the mission that God has given us to accomplish and this is what it means to live a resurrected life. This is what it means to live a resurrected life.